HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and I'm here today with Jason Wagner, the wine director and co-owner of Fung Tu Restaurant, one that I, I really, really love. It's a pretty new restaurant um, down in the Lower East Side meets Chinatown area in uh, Manhattan. Uh, welcome, Jason. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Joe. Good to have you. Uh, so, so Jason has uh, some some real uh, wine cred. Uh, was a sommelier here in New York City at uh, at the Atelier de Jean and then uh, moved over to uh, Chicago and put together some pretty impressive lists over there. And now you're back in New York. What what brought you back? Actually, Feng Tu brought me back. Uh, Jonathan uh, is a good friend of mine from from way long ago, and he uh, we were talking about. Uh, he was talking to me when he was looking to open the restaurant, and uh, eventually he was like, "Hey, dude, do you want to do you want to do this?" And uh, so, yeah, it was the perfect reason to come back home. Now, so you have some other partners here. You have uh, it's Jonathan Wu, uh, it's the chef uh, John Matthew Wells, uh, Wilson Tang, and you. Why? Uh, okay, so I have two questions. So you met Jonathan Wu in a, in a wine class, right? So tell us about how you, how you all came together, and then why did you not call the restaurant the Wu Tang Clan? <laughs> That's been on my mind. I wish we could call it the Wu Tang. <laughs> it's the obvious choice. Um, well, we uh, we were both taking uh, classes with the ASA, um, infamous uh, American Sommelier Association, and uh, you know you, you start the class and you go in there. There's like forty, fifty people. And um, you, you're kind of like sitting alone and looking around. Who who am I going to make friends with here? And uh, Jonathan was sitting nearby. He had a guitar case with him. He was taking guitar lessons after class. And I was like, oh, I play guitar. Like maybe I'll I'll chat up this guy. And we immediately became friends, study buddies. Um, we would you know hang out after class, drink wine, and then uh, hang out during the week and study, hit the books, drink wine, cook food. 
um, we just became great friends. Sounds like a man crush. Yeah, totally. Sort <laughs> of bromance. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I might have a little man crush on because so he's he's a, a great chef who worked at, at Per Se, plays the guitar and and knows his wine. Yeah, yeah, it's That's pretty a, pretty awesome. Man. Yeah, to work especially working with a chef that appreciates wine and knows a lot about it. It really changes the dynamic. Um, he really feels it's an important part of the restaurant, and and also like that it enhances the the food, and it's not just like shut up and eat my food and wine is ancillary. Yeah, and also pretty unique for something in the the Chinese food kind of sphere. Not that your the dishes are you know traditional Chinese dishes. I guess sort of in the way that our dishes are not traditional Italian dishes at right. Delanima and Lartuzzi, but certainly inspired by that and and maybe grouped into that category. For sure, um, you don't see restaurants like that with with really good wines. Even the even the few kind of higher end restaurants um, don't tend to have interesting well thought out wine list right or at least like a, a focus on on it and uh yeah his food definitely has room for it uh it's it's unique food but it's not weird um and chinese food in general i feel like uh if there's not like a giant spicy element in it is somewhat on the whole low in acidity and that leaves a lot of room for wine at the table yeah and now that's that's really interesting too because uh as a sommelier, I think that something that you are, are are like taught to love very easily is the uh, the Riesling and Chinese food pairing. It is uh, it is the way that you like after work can go to like Great New York Noodle Town or one of these these yeah. late night places and just bring some some Riesling, which is undervalued. Have some inexpensive food, and that's that is kind of like one of the ingrained pairings. This is great, but. Uh, I was uh, surprised and and impressed to see on your list that that riesling is is not really that present. Yeah, we have one one riesling on the list, and I'm not going to lie, like you know, a, a sweet Mosul riesling with some Sichuan food is is dope. It's awesome, but um, I I feel especially with Jonathan's food um, that there's so much else to play with. We have uh, you know fair amount of Chenin Blanc on the list, which I think is, is also undervalued um, price-wise. And also, there's so many styles of it that, that work nicely with the food. Um, and a lot of light reds. I mean, Bo- Beaujolais goes with everything. Uh, but also, like, uh, Pinot de Nuis and, and things like that. Like, a lot of the lighter reds that are no or low tannin. Uh, but now, high in acidity. Now how do you go about pairing? So, so I'm used to pairing wines with very high acid foods. We, it gave the chef at our restaurants really, really loves kind of lots of like vinegar and lemon and right, just lots of acid. When you have low acid foods, um, I, my instinct is that that's going to open you up to almost a, a wider range of wines. So you can do low acid wines and high acid wines, or is there something? How, how do you how do you go about pairing with those foods? Oh, for sure. I, I feel like high acidity is is nice with that because you need that kind of refreshing um point but also uh just like working with the flavor profile Mm -hmm. when uh i was putting the list together you know i was talking with jonathan about it which is awesome because he has a a perspective uh, an informed perspective and we were looking at um what do chinese people drink with uh their their food uh and outside of beer uh we came across a shaosheng rice wine which is um, something that was completely unfamiliar to me. So we went to Chinatown, we bought a couple bottles, we tasted it. Uh, it was pretty bad. <laughs> um, 
granted they weren't like the best uh, examples but um the, the flavor profile really reminded me of amontillado sherry it had mm-hmm. that like nutty caramelly salty kind of saline thing and so that was kind of the jumping off point for putting the list together on the whole um was that you know high acidity but also nutty and saline yeah, that, that's interesting and you probably know more about this stuff than, than i do so i i've cooked not. with Shaoxing uh rice wine yeah. before um some recipes from fuchsia, i don't know if you have fuchsia dunlops uh book every grain of rice killer uh chinese cooking book um but are there different do you know if there are different grades do you guys actually carry the rice wine in, in the restaurant uh we don't carry any um it's mostly because it's hard to uh get with the distributors right uh, they're not like signed up on 750 <laughs> you know <laughs> but um but we don't, but we do um, carry, you know, some sherry and stuff like that to kind yeah. of fit that hole. And so how do, how does that play into uh, into Jonathan's food, the kind of nuttiness? Um, well, it's a, it's a nice uh, counterbalance to, to some of the stuff. For instance, like we have the bok choy dish, which I think you had. It's like raw bok choy with shrimp paste. And when you pair it with like a fino sherry, it kind of... Uh, inspires like that kind of Spanish. Uh, that 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 is like like crudite to the next level. I, yeah. I'd so much rather eat your raw bak- bok choy and, with the shrimp paste, and yeah, that, totally that is like is. like the best raw vegetable. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's kind of a riff on like crudite or like banya cauda, which you're probably more yeah. familiar with. Um, kind of like the Chinese version of that. It's so good. Sweet. So now you guys are working on a tasting menu right now. Uh, yeah. Which which wasn't uh, you know in play last time I was at the restaurant. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, we're we're keeping it simple. We're not doing a, a giant long one, but we're looking at like six courses, sixty bucks um, with optional pairings, and um, trying to keep the the pairings like really interesting. So um, I'm making it a point kind of to not do riesling, uh, <laughs> just to open people up to that. Um, and doing sake and sherry and um, still wines, because um, bubbly wine is also like an easy go-to, but also awesome. Um, and uh, beer, even. I I think I poured for you uh, Rodenbach Grand Cru uh, yes, with the did. dates. It's delicious. Yeah. It was just a little bit sour, but yeah. not too much, and really, really nice. Yeah, it's 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 fun to play play with those. Uh, those foods like the dates um, because there's like textural components that you can play with as well and then the sweetness and the savoriness of the dates and then like you have the sourness and fruitiness of the beer um how many people are going for for the wine pairing uh well we haven't totally blasted out on the tasting menu yet um but also come and be one of the first (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) but uh but i do get people that that come there and they're like um looking at the wine list and like, I don't know what to do, uh, you know, and, and I'll offer a, a pairing like on the fly. Yeah. I feel like when, when I went, I was uh, very, very fortunate. Uh, I feel like I, I got in on the, you know, and you probably for other people, you know, in the industry, maybe have done the same thing. I was like, please yeah. just choose, you know, choose wines. You guys know the, you know, the food obviously and your wine list much better than I do. And so, um, you poured some wines that I thought paired really well. And I couldn't, I think if I would have chosen my favorite bottle off the list, it wouldn't have been as good as it was having you choose something that was particularly good for each dish. So I, if, if I were to go and order the taste menu, I would for sure, for sure get your, uh, your wine pairing. Thank you. It's, um, it's, it's fun. And it's, uh, for me, I like to, I like to do 
wine pairings because I'm lazy when I go out. <laughs> I do this all day, you know, like just you, you choose everything for me. And, um, so I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I do because you can have, uh, I, I think, you know, someone like you would put a lot of thought into, into the wine pairing, what's going to be the best. And you might have a delicious wine that would go great with one of the six dishes, but maybe pretty good with two of the others and not so good with some of the others. And so if yeah. you can have kind of an optimal, an optimal taste and, and drink experience, that, that's really nice. Yeah, I think with, with pairing wines, the idea is either to get out of the way and don't ruin the food or to make it better. Um, and in certain situations when you're having many, many different dishes, that's, it's probably better to go with many, many different beverages. Yeah. And one of the things, one of the other things I really love about your list is that I feel like you really have a point of view. Um, you know, you can have a really good list that, that has delicious wines that has stuff for people at every price point that works well functionally for the people who work in the restaurant. You know, customers don't care as much about that part, but, <laughs> but the, what, what separates a good list from a, an excellent list for me is, is a, a philosophy and a point of view that's, that's clearly articulated and executed and having delicious wines to, to kind of back that up that are made with integrity. And I feel like you've really accomplished that. Uh, not only do you have, uh, are, are you opening up minds, even of, of, industry people that Chinese food and Riesling is not the only pairing. Um, but you also have, uh, a lot of, uh, very, very natural wines, very handmade yeah. wines, uh, from small producers. And I feel like I look at your list and, and I know what you're going for, but if you could articulate a little bit what you're going for, uh, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Well, um, the focus, you know, outside of the, the flavor profile is on natural wines, Almost all of them are, um, but definitely it's stuff that's uh, first and foremost farmed responsibly. So whether it's organic or biodynamic, I find that to be very important. I have a, a little boy now, and so um, people that take care of the earth definitely get my props because uh, he's going to inherit that one day. Um, and then uh, just minimal intervention in the cellar and little or no sulfur possible. Uh, I like that. It's... Um, it's it's been a learning process to work uh, with smaller and smaller lists, mm -hmm. um, but it's a lot more fun. Um, when I was at Robichon, uh, we had eight hundred or so references, and I feel like that was almost easier in a way um, to to work with, where you could just fill holes here and there, and you have this balance of oh, okay, maybe I want to make the Burgundy list a little bit bigger, so I need Bon Romanet and Chevy Chambertin, you know, that sort of thing. Um, whereas with a smaller list, in a way you have a little bit more freedom, um, but you, every choice has to matter. And um, then you can edit a little bit better when you're talking with your reps and, and the distributors. You're like, okay, no, I'm looking for this kind of specific thing and this kind of philosophy behind it. Um, that's, that's kind of uh, where I'm at with it. It's a small list. We're like under 60 bottles. Uh, but I feel like everything on there is there for a good reason. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm sure I, there's people that don't. No, you know, I I, re I really liked what you're doing there, and and I felt like that I saw some uh, some of my favorites, some wines that I had just tasted for the first time and just learned about, oh, some, cool. um, and then the other ones that I didn't know. I'm like, wow, well, I'm I'm very curious, and I should <laughs> I feel like I should I should figure out what's going on with that one if I don't know it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a fun list, and I'm 
really got had um, have had a chance to like lean on some of the importers that I've developed friends, friendships with over the years, and they've brought me like super cool stuff, um, even offering it to me exclusively or that sort of thing, which is really cool. I mean, we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to do anything interesting if it weren't for really awesome importers. That's true. Uh, all right, so we are going to take a very quick break. Uh, we'll be back with more with Jason Wagner from uh, in the uh, from Funk Two on In the Drink. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. back with Jason Wagner on In the Drink from Fung Tu Restaurant. Uh, Jason, I want to ask you about uh, about the neighborhood uh, where you are. It's kind of Lower East Side meets Chinatown. Um, when you were putting the uh, the list together, were you also thinking about the, about the neighborhood where people were drinking kind of in that part of the city? And, and why did you guys choose that area for, uh, for the restaurant? Sure. Um, the, we chose the the location, uh, partially because uh, Wilson Tang, who's uh, the owner of Nomwa, he's a longtime Chinatown resident, like grew up there, and has a lot of connections in the neighborhood. So um, when Jonathan was looking for the space with him, uh, came up and we were kind of like, oh, this is, this is perfect. It's almost in Chinatown. It's, it's barely in the Lower East Side. And it seemed to make sense with what we were doing Um Restaurant-wise, uh, being Chinese, obviously Chinatown makes sense, and um, you know the fact that we're doing like a modern take on it and having a, a beverage program made sense for the Lower East Side. Uh, the the list, uh, you know, I, I would worked in Midtown before, and Lower East Side is a very different dining destination than Midtown, so. Um, I needed to make it more price conscious uh, as far as, uh, you know, having the marquee bottles, you know, there's no Mayo Camise on the list <laughs> um, as much as I love it. Um, so I, I, I definitely wanted to have a, a price point that was a lot more approachable and then have a couple little guys that, that if you're, if it's a special night, uh, you can, you can have a special bottle, but, uh, every, everything is about 120 bucks and below with a big focus in the $60 range, which is, it's kind of like a, a list of a restaurant that I would go to. Yeah. I, I can't afford to, to buy uh, Marquis de Leguiche and, and Mouton Rothschild and stuff like that. But um, I wanted it to be a, a neighborhood kind of a list where you can go and you can discover something and have something at a, a price point where you're like, oh, I can go there like once a week, twice a week, and drink a totally dope bottle of wine or glass of wine and uh, not not kill the bank. 
Now, are there some, uh, you know, with, with a, a, such a well-edited list, do you, do you find yourself trying to uh, have different, all different producers? Or are there some producers that, that you'll have multiple bottles from? Are there some kind of core producers to your list? There are, there are some core producers, um, and, and I'm not against uh, doubling up on, on producers. I try not to do it too much. Um, but I, I really uh, love uh, Rene Moss. I have always try to carry a white specifically by Rene Moss, which is so, so delicious. Um, I really love uh, Robino in the Loire Valley. Uh, I think I poured his Pinot d'Anis for mm-hmm. you. I think his his reds are are fantastic, um, and then outside of that, the, I try to you know just find the next deliciousness and uh, and and keep things moving. But that's kind of the the nice thing about a, a smaller list is that it can be very nimble. You can run through stock on something, and okay, all right, what what else is out there? Yeah. I'm a uh, I'm a big fan of the Rennie Moss uh, Petiant Natural wines. Oh yeah. And, had not had the still white until you poured it for me, and I was blown away. That's so good. It was so good. Uh, that wine was absolutely, absolutely delicious. Yeah, it's a lot of everything. It's a lot of minerality. It's a lot of fruit. It's um, not a lot of oak, but a lot of everything else. Now, you kind of just got through the review period. Yeah. How did, how did that go? I think that's like the worst time in the restaurant's life. It's <laughs> totally the worst. <laughs> it's exhausting. And, and uh, you know, for your, for your first three months or four months, uh, every table, every guest is, is under the radar. You know, you, you're looking at pictures, trying to recognize reviewers. And at the end of the day, does that even make a difference? Uh, it's tough. And, uh, it's especially tough right off the bat when, you know, you have somebody come in your first week when you're still trying to figure out flow of service and all of that. And then they write you up and, uh, and, and then trash you. <laughs> it's, it's really, uh, really disheartening in some sense, but it also uh, gives you an extra push, you know, an extra drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, there's, there's nothing quite, quite like going through that period. It's, Did you have so, a moment, uh, you know, when you got a, a, a bad review or it was like, you don't understand, like I've been, you know, I've been friends with him for 10 years. I moved here from Chicago. I've been busting my ass and have a baby. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah absolutely. You don't understand. This is, <laughs> There's a couple moments like that where um, I, I think when I was just like, wow, they just don't get it. Like I, I think, especially uh, the first few people that came through were like, Oh, cool! This is going to be like Mission Chinese, and it's not. And when uh, when it was like that, they were they just didn't get what we were trying to do. It's almost the opposite of Mission Chinese <laughs> in a way. I mean, not only is the food not like super super spicy, but yeah. you know the the definitely emphasis on on the service and and the wine program and kind of a, a really like I think relaxed, nice nice dining experience, but still with like being on the lower east side. Yeah, it's a little quieter and just a little brighter, uh, you know. Like the, like, I mean, I love me so much in Chinese. But no it doubt, is ag- aggressive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's totally a place for that. But I think when the first set of reviewers came through, they were they were kind of hoping that's what we were, and when we weren't that, um, they were not into it. And what's the deal with the reviewers kind of ignoring the emphasis on the uh, on the wine uh, program? 
Yeah, that's it's a little puzzling. I, I think the uh, we were talking about the the Jordan McKay piece and punch uh, about about that. Uh, I know it's definitely hard for them budget wise and uh, and and whatnot. Uh, but it's 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 just a weird thing. I, I think uh, it's a part of the whole entire restaurant experience, and um, to to ignore it is is kind of doing a disservice to the the reader um, because most of our patrons come and drink uh, with the with the their dinner, mm-hmm. uh, and I think uh, it'd be nice to have a someone kind of like reviewing a, like Talia used to do. Uh, she used to review wine lists, and I think that was a, a great service uh, to to the people that read, uh, because uh, there's a lot of people that do consider the beverage a, a really important important part of their dining experience. And for a restaurant to make that conscious decision that we're going to invest in uh, in a wine program, it's you know it's storage, it's inventory, it's training of the staff, it's meeting with reps. It's there's it's a, a lot salary. of work. It's yeah. a salary. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot of work and it's a big, it's, it's, it's just a big emphasis. And for, you know, the difference between a restaurant that, that focuses on a wine program, uh, and invests in it and one that doesn't, I think is the one that, that invests in it really is on that guest side is trying to offer to get some much more special experience than the one that doesn't. And it just blows my mind that, that, that reviewers spend so little of their real estate, uh, paying attention to it. Yeah, it's... I I get it in some sense, but I, I do think uh, you know it would be it would be a service uh, to the readers if if they would at least spend a little bit. You know, most all uh, almost all of our reviews just had like a one line kind of thing at the bottom it was like drink a you know twelve dollar wine by the glass, uh, which is not you know the the experience that uh, you can really have as you can attest to at, at Fung too. Yeah, for me it was, uh, and and I love the food, but it was yeah. just as much about the at the wine about the wine or maybe even for me a little bit more because of well, uh, you're a wine guy because I'm yeah. a wine guy. <laughs> but I think you know it's it was such a more fun time because we were tasting all these really delicious wines. Yeah, yeah and not to take anything away from the food at all. Not no, it's yeah. absolutely. And I came back, you know, you yeah. can drink really good wine in, in a couple of different places, but that I came back because the food's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah it is. Now, where do you, where do you like to drink wine around the city? Um, mostly at home right now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, Ten Bells is right around the corner, so uh, that's that's a pretty pretty great place to go and and uh, jazz on some natural wine. And um, I was going to uh, went to to Contra right when they opened, and Linda put together a really cool, really fun list. We we drank a lot of great wine there. Also, focus on more natural wine. Exactly. Where, where did your interest in in natural wine start? Um, I, it's hard to pinpoint. Uh, it hasn't always been, uh, something that I, I was really into, but, uh, I used to live in Williamsburg, uh, many, many, many moons ago and would shop at Uva and, uh, Uva had a great selection of natural wines. And uh, I think I, I, I actually got into it by just loving the wines first and then like finding out what they're about later. Um, that's, that's kind of it. And then I started took a trip uh, two years ago uh, to the Loire Valley with the Dresner team and uh, went to the Deep Butai and visited a lot of their growers. And that's really, it really had a profound impact on, mm-hmm. on my viewpoint, uh, especially 
uh, viticulturally that uh, it's important to take care of the earth and, and spraying chemicals and that sort of thing is just a, a bad thing. It's not what I want to put in my body. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree with you on, on that stuff. But uh, I just had, it was part of a, uh, a panel discussion with Clark Smith, uh, who wrote a book called Postmodern Wine. It was really interesting. And uh, one of Car- Clark's main uh, point of views was that Natural producers will tell you that they are that they are producing in a very natural way, but a lot of times it's very misleading, and there's there's mm-hmm. stuff that is not being disclosed uh, sure. to you um, and and me. Uh, and uh, he's someone who has a, a lot of experience in the industry, and uh, I think sometimes has a, a, a pessimistic view, and and maybe uh, we can be or I can personally be a little too optimistic uh, when it comes to trusting our, our trusted importers and sure. uh, growers. But uh, were you to know everything that goes on in the the life cycle of the wine, where do you kind of draw the line? What What is something that, you know, it, it puts it no longer into natural wine for you and then puts it into this other realm of of wine that is more messed around with and, and uh, more... Uh, not not acceptable to your to your taste. I think the yeast issue is is up there. Um, using indigenous yeast, uh, there's you know a lot of discussion is, is indigenous yeast really indigenous and and all of that. But I think just adding adding uh, yeast, adding sulfur. I, I understand like why you need to add sulfur <laughs> to stuff. Having many many bottles oxidize on me and, and stuff like that. But I think. Um, for me, uh, if, if I had to put a definition on natural wine, it would be about, about yeast and sulfur. Yeah. It it seems like a really violent process. If you think about the, if you can buy into that wine is a, a living and evolving thing that, that the, you were to add the sulfur to a wine before it's fermented and kill off its entire uh, native yeast population so that you can then add a, a white powder that you got that was produced in the laboratory somewhere right. uh, to that so that it, it, it acts the way that you want it to. I, I, I also, that, 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 that certainly rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It's kind of icky. <laughs> it's it's kind of icky. Yeah. Um, but there's obviously, there's, there's so many uh, even, I think, worse and ickier things that, that people can do to wine. There are a lot worse things that you can do. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, you're not going to find them at uh, Fung 2, uh, but you will find me uh, drinking there uh, sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, I just wanted to thank you, Jason, so much for being on the show. It's been it's been a real pleasure to have you. Joe, it's, it's always a blast the, seeing you. The New York City uh, uh, Somali community and now restaurant community is is in better shape now that, that <laughs> you're back here in the city. So I appreciate thank, it. Welcome back. Thank you so much. It's uh, great to be back. And before we go, I wanted to uh, 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 leave you guys off with next week on May 7th. Um, uh, we're going to be having a very special winemaker dinner at Lartuzzi um, with the very natural wines of Emidio Pepe. Nice. Uh, we're going to have three generations of Pepe's there. The founder, Emidio, uh, he's in the city to celebrate his 50th anniversary. His daughter, Sophia Pepe, who is uh, currently the winemaker, and his granddaughter, Chiara, 
um, who uh, is pretty much like the global ambassador for uh, for these wines. Um, but she's still, she's still in school and she's been on the show talking about them. So you can archive uh, the the uh, Chiara Pepe. She's uh, she's like twenty years old, but she's like the mo- one of the most articulate people and and enthusiastic people in the wine industry. Um, she can she can school you on like Bartolo Mascarello vintages. She's 20. It's absurd. No, she might be 21 now. It's crazy. Um, anyway, it's a very special dinner. All three of them will be in the private dining room at Lartuzzi. There's only like 13 seats in, in total. So three of them will be those. And uh, hopefully you guys can be one of the other lucky 10. Um, so you can go to Lartuzzi's website um, or the uh, Eventbrite. If you uh, Google Eventbrite and uh, Lartuzzi, uh, upcoming winemaker dinners, uh, you'll be able to you'll be able to find that. Um, hope to see you there. Uh, we'll also we'll, we will be pouring wines from the '70s, '80s, and 2000s. And I've been trying to convince Chiara to to smuggle back a bottle of their Cherasuolo for me. Have you had the the Cherasuolo? Not, but that sounds awesome. It is not imported. And when I was out there, uh, I was telling Emilio about how much I love his Cherasuolo. And please, can you please import some at least just for us? And he's like. I you know I'm really not that into it. <laughs> He's like, he only wants to export the the very aged wines. So Montepulciano that's like at least seen like ten years of age, and uh, Trebbiano that's at least seen five six years of age. But Cherasuolo something for the the Italian market. <laughs> Wacky. So hopefully, hopefully they're going to smuggle some back. All right. That is, uh, that's all the time we have today. This has been uh, In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>